Hello, Stephen. Welcome to forty-six thirty. Where are you, man? Are you in the house or are you are you uh, in the in the brewery? No, I'm in the house. I'm on. Okay. I'm on this seat. What have you been up to? I've been practicing. I've got a show in London this weekend. Yes. I've got a two shows at the Jazz Cafe. And uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I've been practicing for those. I, um, I was going to ask you o- over practicing, perhaps. Since you're at the Jazz Cafe, does it yeah. does it make you go a bit jazzy? Do you do like solos? No, but they do have somebody uh, at the side of the stage that if you if you veer too far away from jazz, but it's okay. But then the, you get asked to leave. However, it's judged in five minute intervals. So someone like me, I can do a pop song for about three and a half minutes. And then, so long as I talk about jazz, (laughs) then it puts the levels back up. Or the the other way around it is to do some uh, scat singing in all of the solos. So that's what I've been working on. So you leave me tense to the blues. Yeah. Tense to the blues. So it's um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting and especially with this uh, this new covid vax variation coming up you know this uh the india variation i believe they're calling it mm. um what what kind of thing it, have you decided to go for have you are you going cuz this is when was the last time you played was it with ytk last year before it was with ytk over yeah. a year ago my last solo show was in Waterford in Ireland I think it was Waterford although it could have been Dublin mm. I can't remember which was the final show on the tour and I, I loved that that tour that tour of Ireland was one of my favourite ever things the Waterford show uh, was extraordinary mm. um, and Kilkenny was good Cork was good as well Dublin was good was but that Waterford the stuff especially. that was on the wee video? aye it was the stuff that was on the mm. wee video yeah yeah me with a young lady called uh, Kalina Raquel, I believe her name was. And uh, yeah, there's a film of it in, on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, which you, is pretty cool. You seemed like you were enjoying that. Did you? What, what kind of thing for for a tour? For oh, sorry, for a well, two shows. I'm just thinking of it as kind of one thing. But for a thing like this, yeah, with not having played for so long. What do you yeah. go for? Do you go for? Uh, bearing in mind that everybody's ha- just bought a new album anyway, so do you play things from the new album, or do you do do you do like greatest hits things? I've got, I think, I've got ninety minutes each set, and I'm going to do quite a lot of brand new stuff that no one's heard at all, and then I'll probably do maybe half of the new album. Mm-hmm. And then the rest will just be cherry-picked from the previous ones. But, you know, there's so much stuff, man. You know, I, I was um, I was thinking today, because I've been running through the albums, and what I always try and do is play at least one from each album, but that's kind of impossible now I'm at ten albums. And I've practised That's not, that's ten from, songs. That's ten songs, yeah. So it's not impossible. No, I suppose it's not. <laughs> I could just do one, one from each album, yeah. couldn't I? <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe I'll do that. I don't know, man. I and mean, we will just have to wait and see. Uh, I'm kind of keen to do the new stuff. Anyway, if anyone's listening, it's on Saturday. It's at the, the Jazz Cafe in Camden. Mm. And uh, the first show has sold out. 
the second show there's um, half a dozen tables left so uh, oh, that's really good there's space there's space for you if you want to come along yeah basically. I, I like the jazz cafe and I like the fact that you can it's you you can sit at a nice table and it's quite kind of I don't know it feels quite civilized yeah I agree with you yeah yeah um, no I'm looking forward to it the last one I did there was with um, YTK except John Thorne couldn't make it so we had a we had a guy in pretending to be John, which was great. No shoes on. <laughs> no shoes on and uh, playing all the wrong notes. But uh, no, he was he was really good. He was really good. So it, it's a bit of a weird one. There's no backstage area to talk, talk of. There's a tiny wee room at the back of the stage. But thrillingly for me, it, it, my first ever London show was at the Jazz Cafe supporting uh, John Martin. So it's And he was pretty jazzy. He was jazzy enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly for the jazzers. Um, but um, yeah. I've got, um, I think, is it John Martin's maybe his second album? And it has Harold McNair on flute, jazz flute, on at least okay. two of the tracks. I mean, it's, I would say it's more jazzy than folky. Yeah, I can't stand his music, so <laughs> I, I don't go anywhere near it, <laughs> to be honest. He's one of these guys, you know, I always see it written that, he, that he's been a huge influence on me. And the only thing he influenced me to do was not to become an alcoholic. <laughs> I know that. And that may sound harsh, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was terribly sad touring with him because he was, he was incapable, really, of uh, looking after himself. He was so drunk the entire time. Yeah, I wouldn't say that mu musically you, you sound anything like him either. I don't, I don't no, think I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't play nearly as well as him, and I can't sing nearly as well as him. Um, no, but he didn't. He also sung in quite. Um, he, he sang. He sang in quite a strange voice. It didn't sound like his own voice. He had an amazing voice. I tell you what, um, his band. Those, I watched them most nights, and uh, almost every night those those hair on the back of back of my neck stuff going on you know I'd, I'd watch them and just think they were incredible the drummer especially a guy called oh, I'm never going to remember his name now uh, Billy no it wasn't Billy anyway the drummer uh, was uh, extraordinary like one of the best drummers I'd ever seen at that point in my life he was the best drummer I'd ever seen so I, I could just watch that every gig I'd just go and watch that and then John would kind of uh he would kind of sleepwalk through a lot of it, mm. but then suddenly he would switch on, and then there would just be moments of amazement. You know, just be like, whoa, he's going for it. You know, he's really turned, turned he, on here. Was he pretty big at that point? Yeah, he was massive, yeah. But he still had his, both of his legs. Um, yeah, it was, it was a very weird time, very weird time. My view of it all is kind of... Uh, kind of colored by how I was treated by his management and uh, and just my my first time on the road, my first proper time on the road, certainly as a solo artist, and how tricky that was, you know. Did they, were they not nice? Were they not nice, James? Can you, can you show me where they hurt you? No, they weren't, it wasn't that they were not nice. I'd say that they were just road wary, 
weary, you know. Right. So they were. They, they, it was just another tour for those guys, you know. And they've been touring all their lives, and then yeah, he was this young guy who was terrified, excited. yeah, and perhaps wanting a wee bit of help, but they weren't particularly weren't particularly interested. By the end, they were friendly enough, and there was some, you know, we had a lot of laughs as well at certain at certain points. But uh, it was a, a very weird thing to do, you know. I could barely play. I could literally barely play the guitar. I mean, I couldn't do chords. I couldn't. I just had to. I was just. I listen back to the recordings of it now, and I'm thinking, what on earth was that guy doing on stage? <laughs> it's uh, the 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 playing that you can hear in Moving Up Country. That's about five times better than the playing I was doing on the stage, and the playing on Moving Up Country is appalling. So it was, and it was one just, of those things. Just you as a solo support as well. So it was really yeah, just just me with a really cheap guitar, mm. petrified, but I guess playing these bad songs. I suppose doing doing that kind of solo support stuff though at that point is quite a well. Not I know it's obviously formative, but it's obviously probably quite good for you as well because you can you completely exposed. Yeah, no, it was it was really good for me. It was really good, you know. After, after I did that tour with John and band, I did a solo show. When Domino got in touch with me, I came and uh, Lawrence came and see me playing with a band up in Edinburgh. Lawrence, the guy from Domino, and then he signed me, and it was great. Oh, James, that was great. Oh, I love it. Oh, James, that was great. Exactly. <laughs> and then I went down and played this show down in London with all these punk bands, and there was me on the bill, and I was quite annoyed. I was quite annoyed to be doing it. And um, I got blind drunk afterwards, and I was saying, "What on earth are you thinking of signing me for? All your all your bands are punk bands." And he said, "You know what, James? That tour with John Martin really toughened you up. You were great there on stage, or something like that. You know, so mm. something must have come of it. it. It's that thing about about imagine. Well, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Basically." It was 28 terrifying shows, one after the other. Mm. But by the end, I was nowhere near as terrified as I was by the beginning. So, yeah. I guess I learned a few things. Were you a fan of John Martin's? Um, well, of that sec, the second album, with the Harold McNair uh, flute, there are two really good songs. Which ones are those? Um, Dusty. Dusty, dusty, dusty. That one. The one about Dusty Springfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And another song, maybe Down by the River or something. I can't remember. I need, right. to, I need to look it out. It's in, it's in that section somewhere. My, my favourite, the, the, the set highlight for me was um, a song called My Name is John Wayne. Mm -hmm. And that was... That was a killer. Every night, that was freaking awesome. You know, there were some great shows. I, m I remember the Irish shows with with, with much fondness. Uh, but yeah, as I said at the beginning, you know, I haven't I haven't listened to him since then for twenty years. I haven't listened to him since then. I've had no desire to listen to him since then at all. So no. it's all tied up in other stuff. Anyway, look, I'm gonna start things off with a, a track by Burning Spear, which will come as a, a great surprise to uh, 
to uh, our regular listeners that there's going to be some Burning Spear on the show. But this is a track that the main guy, Burning Spear, he's singing on, but it doesn't sound like a Burning Spear track at all. And there's a guitar. It's called New Civilization. It's from 1972. There's a guitar rhythm that's running through it. And at the beginning of the song, it's all over the place. It's a rhythm that I, I can't really explain. You'll just have to listen to it. But by the end, it kind of fits into this really peculiar slink. And it's, uh, I love it. It's an incredible piece of music. And I only really heard it this week. So I'm uh, very pleased to play it. This is Burning Spear with New Civilization. New Civilization New Civilization All over this land Oh, 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 
that's amazing. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it's really amazing. In fact, so amazing that I'm going to make sure that I buy the album. It's 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 as though it's got two or three different skanks going through it at mm. once at the yeah. beginning. It's it's got two or three different rhythms going, on, and I love polyrhythms. Um, and it's yeah, it's a great little piece of music, isn't it? But how are they doing that? Uh, I don't know. I I thought maybe the one of them couldn't hear the others what they were doing or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was that kind of uh, that kind of feel. But it's it's just got a, a an amazing feel. There's there's so many little things you wouldn't quite know how to dance to it because you wouldn't know which one to pick up on. What was this uh, band called again? I've forgotten already. It's called New Civilization. New Civilization. It, it was only it was only re released, I think, reasonably recently. Uh, so. It came out, it, it was recorded in 1972, but I don't think it came out till much, much later than that. Uh, um, maybe one of our reggae listeners will be able to tell us at some point. Do you think, um, do you think we have a lot of uh, hardcore reggae fans? Uh, oh, yeah. It came out on a single on Supreme Records. It looks like it's quite a difficult one to get hold of, though. Uh, he's going to get it, ladies and gentlemen. It's, Stephen's going to add it to his list of... <laughs> Ridiculous records to buy. Yeah, um, of course. Um, yeah, you I, should. I, well, do you know, I, I, you know, um, whenever you hear a song that immediately, uh, immediately you hear it and you know, oh, that, that's an amazing song. Uh, I need to, yeah. That's how I felt about that one. But um, I wanted to ask you about Burning Spear because I don't know a lot about Burning Spear, but as far as I know, it's it, it's a kind of, it's one guy. With yeah, at the beginning, yeah, it was one guy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Anyway, yeah, isn't that right? Well, I think so. But does he have, they then have a band around him? Does it change, or do you know? Yeah, but I think it was it was around the singer Winston Rodney, wasn't it? Okay. I mean, he was the main guy. Uh, but and I think there was a band that that kind of changed as it went through. But I mean, I I always presumed he was the main guy. You know. But then there was a band that kind of stayed with him and changed as he went on because he's been doing it. Is he still alive? He's been doing it for years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he started in what nineteen, must be sixty nine, something like that. I'd say. So yeah, he, he must be, he must be seventy six or something now. You know, he must be very old. Mm. No, that's not very old. Don't get me wrong, people. There's older people than that in the world. I'm well aware of that. But uh, yeah, he, he must be a. Uh, one of the old ones, you know. Still to be playing, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we play them a lot on this show. Um, How do you know that? <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was just about to get to. <laughs> One of our regular listeners, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a man who goes by the name of Degas, uh, DGS, he listened through to all these old episodes of 4630 and he catalogued all the songs that we've played um, by the name of the artist who's, did the, who's done them. So the most popular artist that we've played on this, can you remember, Stephen? Uh, oh, hang on. No, I can't remember. Well, the most popular artist is Unknown. So most, the, most of the tracks that we've played have been by somebody 
unknown, who we don't know who they are. And then quickly after that is James Yorkston, because we did those two specials, you know, we did The Roots of the Harmonium. No, no, it's not, it's uh, not. Second, I'm looking at it now, second is David A. Jacob. Oh, really? Yeah, then it's James Yorkston. Oh, and it's amazing. Well, if David J. Hickok has, has overtaken me, that's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Oh, I'm pleased about that. Um, I wonder if David might be listening because this we must have. We must surely be the only podcast in the world that has who's most David, played person. <laughs> David sent me some demos of his new material recently, two weeks ago, say. And they're amazing. Ah, really? Good. They're they're just they're way beyond. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for him to finish the album. It's it's just uh, it's going to be such a slinky hipped masterful thing. So I, I'm uh, and I'm hoping he's going to let me do some backing vocals on it. We'll see. So unknown was top, but I think we can we can probably um, we could probably check. And, and get the names of some of the unknowns. Un unknown wouldn't be top. So David Jacob would be top. And then after that, it would be James Yorkson. Then after that, yeah. Michael Harley. And then Gene <laughs> Ritchie and Elizabeth Cronin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the reason for that is on 4630, I tend to play a lot of my favourite acts, mm. whereas you tend to play obscure one off seven inches, that sort of thing. It's it's only it's it's not that you well, actually no it's because I try not to repeat um, too much but I realise actually yeah you you're pretty regular because all of the top um, yeah I'd say most of the most of the top twenty are probably all ones that you play regularly yeah or Michael Hurley which you play as well and David A Jacob that you play as yeah. well but the Prince Farai Burning Spear Andrew Cronshaw. Angus, yeah, yeah. Angus R. Grant. I think that yeah, yeah. Would be the same Angus R. Grant song. No, 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 no. No, it's definitely not. We've played. I think I don't have the sheet in front of me, but I think we played four tracks, four separate tracks from his from the album of his. I've got. Yeah. Um, that's an album of uh, Shetland fiddle music, by the way. If you want to go back to the earlier right. episodes of Forty Six Thirty, you'll hear him. He's just an incredible player, you know, and. Uh, and I love that album, so that's why it's had so many plays. Um, one thing that I was pleased about is that um, Tennis Coats only appeared on there three times. Um, Yet you played them six times on the Japanese music special. <laughs> I, I, I too was a little curious about this. <laughs> I thought perhaps Negus had uh, missed out the Japanese music special. But do you know what's what's exciting? I've been I've, I've got a five LP box set of Tennis Coats that I've been saving for when we can do like live shows again. Cool. I've got so many records I've been saving for, because, um, well, because they're on record, and it's, you know, recording them's a hassle. But I've definitely got enough to do a tennis coat, like a tennis coat special. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds good. No, that sounds good, man. I can talk about Heidi High and stuff. Um, do you want to play a song, Stephen? Uh, yeah, okay, hang on. Is that you getting ready for the jazz set? Yeah, that's me getting ready for the jazz set. Oh, do you know what? I'll play some jazz. Harry, okay, cool. Harry Bartz. Um, this is Uhuru Sasa from, and I taped it from a seven inch, especially for you. 
Hell no. You see, I got some battles of my own to fight for. Hell no, I won't raise your children and you no more. Hell no, because I've got some children of my own to raise up. Hell no, hell no, I won't fight your filthy battles no more. Hell no, you see, I got some battles of my own to fight for. Hell no, I won't fight your filthy battles no more. Hell no, you see, I got some battles of my own to fight for. Oh, yes, I have. Ooh, sa, 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 sa. Ooh, sa, 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 sa. Ooh, sa, 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 sa. Children of my own to raise up. Yeah, you know, I was into that, Stephen. I especially liked the electric bass. Who was playing electric bass on that, do you know? Um, let me think. It's around 1970. I think it might be Richard Davis. But I don't know. Okay. I haven't got it in front of me. But I think it... No, I really liked that. And I thought the drumming was great as well. The drumming sounds as though somebody's hitting a biscuit tin. And he's not too concerned about being in time. And it reminded me... It kind of put me in mind of a band jamming. The vocalist uh, is a guy called Andy Bay, who, who mainly does um, yodeling. In real life, on songs, most of the most no, 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 no. He's a he's a yod, a big yodeler. I think it might be mistaken identity, Stephen. Because on this one, he sounds more so he's influenced by Jill, Gil Scott Heron or something, doesn't he? He doesn't really sound like a yodeler. No, he really sounds like Gil Scott Heron, but he he does he, he yodels on loads of things. Oh. And it couldn't just be that another guy with the same name from Sweden, or, uh, sorry, not Sweden, from Switzerland, perhaps. Maybe. <laughs> oh, well, maybe, that's close enough. Um, I'm going to play some Mama Sana. Uh, regular listeners to this show will know that we've played loads of Madagascan stuff over the over the years. I'm a huge fan of Daguerre and Rakatazafi, especially. Um, Mamasana is uh, a lady. Now, I had um, <laughs> a lady. I had a, I had albums of hers years ago and they were always quite rough and quite raw and she had quite a piercing voice. So when I came across this particular track of hers, I was surprised at how 
uh, melodic and rhythmical it is. And it's a track called Rama Hevelo. And I'd say it's even... <laughs> what are you laughing at? My... my uh, yeah, complete lack of pronunciation. Well, uh, your pronunciation there, when it was just the, it was the Rama Hevelo. <laughs> well, that, that's how they speak in in Madagascar. It was like they're like the Gary. Oh, no, it's speaking to Rama Hevelo. Hevelo. <laughs> so anyway, this is uh, <coughs> bless you. This is Rama Hevelo um, by Mama Sana. Here we go. Ela 
Yeah, that's really good too. Yeah, um, she was a strange one. Well, not strange one, but she was an interesting one. She she used to tie coins in her hair and kind of shake her head about when she was playing to get the rhythmical effect. Uh, and she, she was very well known. It's just perhaps not quite as uh, as uh, familiar to Western ears as someone like Daguerre would be. Every time you say Tagari, it makes me think of you um, talking to the ladies. Talking to the ladies? Yeah. So what have you been up to, Stephen? Yesterday, there was a film crew filming a Val McDermott um, thing. It, oh, yeah. Just probably near you, but they were using our car park as a store, like as a space to wait with all the vans. And um, the... The folk who were there came and asked me about toilets seven times. Really? Yeah. Was this at your office? Uh, yeah. Um, kind of old, fat old white man. Um, do you want to play a song? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm going to mm. play a song, Betsy Lee, I Love You. And it's... Um, a 45 that I have that I got quite recently. It's quite difficult to get. And the, 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 it was graded, it was undergraded. And the reason it was undergraded is because the other side of this, of the record is scratched it like somebody's taken it through a toilet. But it's signed, signed from Betsy. And then, No, in real life it's signed. Yeah. And then, and it's Californian. And it, a label that doesn't exist anymore. They only ever released one record, you know, just the usual stuff. And then, but the other side of it, which is the reason I bought it, is this side. Uh, I think it's amazing. It's kind of, I, I like a kind of um, insistent, chugging, kind of slow funk. I like that kind of Yeah. And it's got a very nice, uh, nice is the wrong word. It's got a, it's got a very good, Hammond solo, mm. Hammond organ solo in the middle. The only bit that's wrong, the only problem with it is it's a, you know, um, when they use styrene press it. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. And, and it doesn't, there's a bit where she sings, she gets, she goes too loud at the beginning. And uh, you can hear the styrene just 
can't take it. Uh, hmm. But apart from that, it's it's in really good condition. Well, let's let's let the listeners judge, shall we? Yeah. What's her name again? Betsy Lee. Well, here's Betsy Lee. Have you been following the football, Stephen? 
Uh, in Scotland. I don't know. No, let's not talk about football. I'm not. I don't have anything of interest to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tell you what. I did watch the. I watched the Leicester FA Cup final. Oh yeah, who were they playing? Or was it just them? In fact, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I just watched the the bit afterwards. All right. <laughs> what was that? The celebration. Yeah. Sort of bit? yeah. I tried. Cool. I tried to tune in for celebrations. Um, and were they enjoying it? Yeah, were they, were they, they... everybody seemed pretty happy. I think it's. I think it's a lot better than watching the match, which could be quite, you know, an hour and a half. Yeah. But if you, yeah, if you just turn in to watch the celebrations. So I'm going to play a track called "An Bonham Bree," which it's a song, a traditional song that I first heard sung by Anne Briggs, who, unsurprisingly, has been played many, many times. Four on this. Four times. No, it must be more than four. I not according to your your archivist. I don't. I'm not entirely sure if I trust this guy, <laughs> this Deegas guy. <laughs> I, I think we must have played Anne Briggs more than four times. I um, oh, but you know, maybe. some of them have been secret tracks at the end, so... Maybe he's just been skipping. Uh, maybe he's been skipping. Maybe he hasn't been writing things down. He's just been skipping along to the music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the barn and wing that never broke up On a drinking bow Might as well No. 
I first heard that song by Anne Briggs, and then I was sent that version um, by a guy on Facebook. And the singer in that is called Hannah Jacobs. Now, the guy, he tells me this. He says, when nine jazz, electronic, and folk musicians who get together in Paris for a week every year to make a record from scratch using traditional songs. So, And this EP was a lockdown project. Now, oh, that's interesting. They, he also says this version was Land for Man Briggs. Now, usually when traditional music gets as, as uh, coloured in as that and as posh as that, it tends to turn me off. But I just think this is a beautiful piece of music. Mm. It's a really lovely, lovely piece of music. So hence, hence me playing it. And that's that, that, the name of that band is Focatron Sessions. That's a terrible name. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the last song I've got is by Jonathan Kirby. It's called Safe to Disconnect. Oh, no, it's not. It's from the Safe to Disconnect album, which uh, this was another one of these lockdown albums. But the guy, Jonathan Kirby, does a, a really good podcast um, about music called Dogpatch with Dante Carfagni. And, um, but I, I, this is an, it's an album of instrumental things, but I really um, I don't normally like this kind of stuff, but for some reason this one I really enjoy.
No, I enjoyed this too. It sounds as though it's got a tempura in the background, which is uh, uh, another reason for me to enjoy it. A tempura? A tempura, yeah, yeah. Like um, Japanese fish and chips? Uh, no, like uh, like a, a, an Indian drone instrument. I have to go. Okay. Bye. Right. Lovely to speak to you. Cheers. See you later, Bye. Stephen. All the best. Bye now. Me wrong.
So come son of my son.